Lush and Hora is by definition true. Don't speak it out loud or even through a clue. Lush and Hora can be in words or in writing. Don't speak it even if it's exciting. So um, on this podcast, I'll be talking about finally the beginning of the halachas of Lush and Hora before I was talking about the introduction and all of the various um, lavin and asin, the positive and negative commandments that are violated by speaking Lush and Hora. But now I'll actually get into the nitty-gritty of beginning the, the, the um, intricate laws of speaking Lush and Hora. So um, this is the beginning of the, the Hilchot uh, Isori Lush and Hora of, uh, of, and, and Klal Aleph, the, the first, uh, the first um, chapter that, uh, that the Chafetz Chaim uh, talks about here. So beginning with Aleph, the first halacha that he gives in Sefer Chafetz Chaim, he says that Lashon Hora, by definition, is true. Um, and just a, a common misconception back then and now is that Lashon Hora is only Lashon Hora if it's false. But he says, no, Lashon Hora, by definition, is true. And in fact, if it's false, it's not Lashon Hora anymore. Then it's called Motze Shemra, which means spreading a bad name. So uh, if it's true, it's called Lashon Hora. If it's false, then it's called spreading a bad name. Um, and he quotes that he says... Uh, the, 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 the verse that says, do not peddle gossip, um, that, is, uh, that, that is considered um, Lashon Hora. And he then, the uh, Chavetz uh, Chaim uh, gives a bunch of different examples of throughout the Torah that proves his point um, that, that Lashon Hora is by definition true. So the Chavetz Chaim, his first example is um, when Moshe sent a shaliach to summon Datam and Aviram to the court, um, they respond, Datam and Aviram respond to the messenger, to the shaliach, and they say they wouldn't show up, even if you gouged our eyes out, we still wouldn't show up to court. That's what uh, Datam and Aviram said to the shaliach. And then the shaliach reported that back to, to Moshe, to the court. And, um, and, and uh, Rashi implies there, Rashi says that, Repeating Dutton and Aviram's words, Dutton and Aviram said they'd rather have their eyes gouged out than have to show up to court. Um, and that was repeated. What, the, what they said, that they'd rather have their eyes gouged out than show up to court, was repeated to Moshe. And Rashi says that that is considered Lashon Hora. However, they were permitted to say that in that case because there's certain um, permissible times that you can say Lashon Hora. And you know, later on in my podcast series, I'll get to exactly probably why that was permitted. But um, on its face, if they weren't, the, the Chavetz Chaim says, if, they, if it wasn't for the purpose of court and you just overheard, you know, or, or Datan Aviram told you that they'd rather have their eyes gouged out than show up to court, um, that would be considered Lashon Hora. And the only reason why the Shaliach, why that agent was able to repeat Datan Aviram's words is simply because they had a permissible purpose because it was for the purpose of the respect of the court. But, um, but in, in most instances, you know, that in theory, in a vacuum, what Dutton Aviram said would be protected. Would, the, the person that heard it would not be able to say that because that's considered a Lashon Hora. However, the um, Chavetz Chaim says very clearly, he says, you know, if that's considered a Lashon Hora, that's obviously true. Dutton Aviram did actually say, in truth, they said, we'd rather have our eyes gouged out than have to show up to court. And the agent was just repeating exactly what they said. 
And uh, that's obviously a true statement. Dutton Viram actually did say that. Nonetheless, it's still considered Lashon Hora. He, um, Chavetz Chaim gives us another source for why, it's consi- why truthful statements are considered Lashon Hora. The Gemara in Sota says there are four types of people that will never see the Shechina. And the, in those four types, it includes both. One type is a liar and one type is a speaker of Lashon Hora. So he said, since liars, since perpetual liars are included um, in the are, are included in the group of people that will never see the Shechina, and, and on top of that, people that speak Lashon Hora, it must be that people that speak Lashon Hora are not liars. So his point is that um, if both liars and speakers of Lashon Hora are included in the um, four types of people that will never see the Shechina, it's that's proof. He says that it must be that. Um, that a speaker of Lush and Hora is by definition then not a liar because liars are a separate category. Um, then the Gemara in Bava Batra says that, um, gives a story that there was a contract, star, that was not drafted well. And Rebbe rebukes his son for writing it. Um, Rebbe blames his, his son for, for writing a, a, a poorly drafted contract. And the son says, I didn't write it. Um, Rabbi Yehuda Chayata wrote it. It wasn't me. It was it was Rabbi Yehuda Chayata, and Rabbi responds back to his son and says, "Stop speaking lashon hora." And however, it's clear that um, Rabbi Yehuda Chayata actually did write this this contract that wasn't drafted well. That was a true statement that his son actually did say. You know, his his son was not lying to his dad when he said that Rabbi Yehuda Chayata wrote the, the, the poorly drafted contract. And Rabbi nonetheless says, stop speaking Lashon Hora. What should he have said? So the Chavetz Chaim says, instead of saying that, you know, it was Rabbi Yehuda Chayata, what he should have said is simply, I didn't write it, but not specify who wrote it. Because he specified who wrote it, that is, um, you know, that, that was considered Lashon Hora. And again, the main point being is that Rabbi Yehuda Chayata actually did, in truth, write that contract that was not drafted well. That was not a lie. Nonetheless, um, nonetheless, that's Rebbe still considers that Lashon Hora because the son, his son should have said just simply, I didn't write it, but not specify that Rebbe Yehuda Chayata did write it. That was Lashon Hora specifying who wrote it, even though it was true. Um, he also says that partial lies are also, par- partial lies are, are prohibited. He gives an example um, of what is a partial lie. He gives an example of someone that uh, stands next to a single wit- witness in Bastin because you need two witnesses in order to um, in order to have a, a legally binding ruling in in the court. So if a single witness is standing in line ready to give testimony, a single witness is useless. But if someone stands next to him and sort of pretends that he's a witness with him, then you would have two witnesses. Then you'd have a um, you know a, a legally binding decision. So by standing next to that single witness, it gives the appearance that um, the other party will be forced to pay because, uh, you know, there are now two witnesses and two witnesses are legally binding. So without even saying anything, just by standing next to the next to one witness, it sort of makes the other party feel like he lost the court, you know, lost the um, lost the ruling because there are two witnesses against him and he'll settle. And he says you can't do that. Even though the other witness did nothing other than just stand next to the single witness and didn't say anything, didn't lie, didn't say any direct lie, but it was it was sort of dece- it was deceiving, and just standing next to a witness, a single witness in Basin to give the appearance that you have two witnesses, which would be legally binding, 
that is considered a lie. Um, the Gemara in Sanhedrin uh, uh, gives another case of a judge that was part of a minority is not allowed to tell the loser that he voted for him. So the you know if, if there's a split decision and obviously the majority wins, you know the the whoever uh, has the most votes wins. The person that votes for the minority can't go to the loser of the court case and say, you know what, really, I voted for you. I didn't agree with the majority. Um, then he talks about, the uh, Chavetz Chaim talks about the word rochel, which literally means a peddler. Why are you called a peddler? A peddler, a normal peddler of, say, you know, um, rags or something. A peddler of rags will buy rags in one place and then sell it in another place. A peddler goes from town to town buying goods and selling goods. Um, so, so similarly, this person is called a rochel, someone that peddles gossip, um, who basically, just like a peddler of, you know, of, of rags, um, they go from town to town, they hear gossip, and then they repeat it in the other towns. Um, and it's interesting, the Chavetz Chaim says a rochel is someone that both speaks Lashon Hora and Rechilot. So um, Lashon Hora is you know, conveying true remarks that are negative about somebody. And Rechilot is someone that is sort of a gossip monger that goes from town to town and peddles gossip. So someone that goes to town, town to town and peddles gossip is also considered someone that speaks Lush and Hora. You can, you're not necessarily, um, you could, if, if you're a Rechilot, you're almost, you're also someone that speaks Lush and Hora. Because if you're going from town to town and peddling all of your, you know, all the drama that you heard in one town to the other town, then uh, you're a lashon. You 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 also are are you know, you're you're speaking lashon hora when you're doing that. Um, so it's possible to speak lashon hora without peddling it from town to town. But if you're a, um, a rochel, you if you if you are peddling it from town to town, then you're also speaking lashon hora at the same time. Um, it also says that he also says something interesting. He says you know merely preparing fake weights, false weights, saying that you know you have a a a, a weight in a marketplace that you say weighs a pound, but in reality, it weighs less than a pound. So you are able to, you know, um, shortchange people that come to the marketplace. Even just owning those false weights or preparing those false weights are considered a sin. And he says, likewise, even preparing to speak Lush and Hora without actually speaking it is also a sin. Okay, so now finally getting to um, the second halacha, halacha bet uh, in in the Klau Aleph. So he says... Um, you know, there are many violations on top of just Lashon Hora and Rechilut. So as I mentioned, Lashon Hora is saying something that's true, but that's denigrating about someone. And Rechilut is peddling from town to town different uh, drama that you heard. Um, and, but he says there, you know, those are two violations in the Torah, but there's even more violations, as I spoke about in prior podcasts, all the various violations um, that, that uh, the Chavetz Chaim identifies. Uh, then moving to Gimel, the Halacha Gimel, he says, um, you shouldn't say, I heard X, Y, and Z about this person, and X, Y, and Z is something disparaging. If you're someone that constantly does that, so it, just doing that once, you speak Lashon Hora. But um, Chavetz Chaim says, if you're someone that constantly goes around and says negative things about other people, um, then you're considered a Baal Lashon Hora, literally the, the master of Lashon Hora. Um, which is even a worse sin, because a Baal Lashon Hora is someone that it became habitualized. Basically, that someone that it's just out of habit. They don't even realize that anything's wrong. Just they normally say bad things about other people. They normally speak Lashon Hora, 
that person is even considered worse than someone that speaks Lashon Hara once. Someone that perpetually, consistently, normally, habitually speaks Lashon Hara is someone that's even worse. He says those people, um, uh, he quotes a Pasuk from King David. He says, Hashem uh, will destroy the smooth, will destroy the smooth talkers, the Chalok Lashon, the smooth talkers. Um, and that's talking about people that habitually, the Baal Lashon Hora, uh, the Bali Lashon Hora, the, the people that habitually, constantly, consistently speak, um, you know, uh, disparaging things about others. So then now moving to Halacha Dalid, um, the fourth one. So he says there are three sins that a person's punished for in this world and will have no next world. Um, and those are Avodah idol worship, Giloy Arayas, um, prohibited sexual relationships, and then um, murder. So those three things are, you know, you are considered that you are punished in this world and have no uh, merit in the next world. Uh, you're going to also be punished in the next world. But um, but the Gemara says that Lashon Hora is just as bad as all of those combined um, in, in severity and punishment. And um, and he says this is referring to not just someone that speaks Lashon Hora once, but it's referring to those Bali Lashon Hora, the masters of Lashon Hora, that consistently and perpetually, normally speak Lashon Hora. Um, and I think, so first of all, I think it's important to realize it's probably a little bit dramatic. Obviously, murder and, you know, Vodazara and sexual relations are in reality probably worse, but it's as if kind of they're just as bad. And I think maybe a reason you could say this is because um, by speaking Lashon Hora consistently, eventually it'll lead to those things. So if you're someone that constantly speaks negatively about other people, then you're not so far off from worshiping idols. It, it, it's sort of a natural progression that if you don't care about other people, if you're speaking negatively about them, it's a natural progression that um, you're going to you know, led, be led down the path of immorality and do those three terrible sins of Vodazara, Gilarayat, and Shvichot Domim. Chavetz Chaim doesn't actually say that. It's just my sort of conjecture that maybe that's true as to why they're equal because once you start speaking Lashon Hora, there's, you're, just a, you know, you're, you're, you're a set of steps away from those three terrible sins. Then in Hay, Allah Hay, so he says, um, if, it's, so if Lashon Hora is spoken voluntarily, that's certainly Lashon Hora, but even if it's spoken, um, uh, you know, even if you're told to speak it, so if, for, he, he says, even if a rabbi or a parent, someone that you're, the Torah says you have to respect, even a king, who you certainly have to respect, a rabbi, a king, a parent, you have to show special respect to and honor. Um, uh, nonetheless, if they tell you to speak Lashon Hora, um, you cannot do it. So even if it's not voluntary, even if you're told to speak Lashon Hora, you're not allowed to. And even if it's by someone that you have to show respect to, like a parent or a rabbi or a king. The example of this, he, he gives King Shaul, um, pressured Doeg to, pressured Doeg to, um, to basically disclose David's intentions, um, you know, because David was going to be the next king after Shaul. And so Shaul pressured Dog to uh, sort of spill the beans on what David was planning. And Dog did, in fact, say what David was planning. And because Dog disclosed David's intentions, Dog is considered, um, you know, an, an example of someone that spoke Lashon Hora, even though Shaul clearly, who, who was a king, who was very respected, pressured Dog to say the Lashon Hora. Nonetheless, since Dog gave in and submitted to Shaul's request, 
he is considered someone that speaks Lush and Hora. So that's proof, uh, the Chavetz Chaim says, that even if a very respected person like a king tells you to speak Lush and Hora, you're still not able to. And he says also, if your father or your rabbi tells you to violate the Torah in any way, you're not supposed to do it. Um, and certainly, you know, that's, and, and, and since uh, speaking Lush and Hora is a Torah prohibition, you're not supposed to do it, even if your rabbi or father tells you to do so. Um, and the example he gives of that even if you have to sort of embarrass your rabbi or embarrass your father, um, you know, in order to avoid a, uh, a, a sin, you should do that. Um, it says the example is you should, if, if your rabbi is wearing a piece of shotness clothes out in public, you should basically strip your rabbi naked out in public so he's not wearing, you know, a mix of wool and linen. Uh, he's not wearing shotness in public. Even if it's very embarrassing that your Rebbe would be naked, um, it's better that your Rebbe is embarrassed, that you embarrass your Rebbe out in public than uh, have him violate the law of wearing shotness. So he said it certainly applies for Lush and Hora, that if your Rabbi tells you to speak Lush and Hora, you shouldn't do so. Um, uh, another another example of, of this he gives is that uh, in the times of the Gemara, there was a Rabbi that told his student to stand next to a witness, as I spoke about that case where basically, you know, only one witness is valid, but if, you, oh, sorry, only two witnesses are, are, are valid. So one witness is meaningless. So if a Rebbe tells his student just to stand next to a witness that's going to testify that the Rebbe is owed money, um, then that student though is prohibited from even just standing next to that, um, next to that witness that uh, would, you know, that, to give the impression that there are two witnesses, even though the, the student wouldn't actually say any lies. He's just standing there. But just giving off the impression that there's two witnesses and, um, you know, that would, that would be uh, a, a prohibition. So even though the Rebbe, someone that's tremendously respected, is telling his student to do that, um, the, the student's not allowed to, is prohibited from, from listening to his rabbi. So going on to halacha vav, um, you are not allowed to speak Lashon Hora even if you're going to lose your job for it. And he says, even if you won't be able to provide for your family, he says that you're supposed to forfeit all your wealth um, instead of violating a, a law, a negative commandment. And he says, um, so speaking Lashon Hora, since there are many, many, many uh, lavim, uh, many negative commands that are violated um, by speaking Lashon Hora, you are not supposed to say it uh, you 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 know, and, and if you're gonna lose your job, let's say you're working as like a someone in the news or something, or some kind of journalist, and you're gonna have to write lashon hora in an article. Uh, it says you're it's better to lose your job um, than 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 write that lashon hora, which is uh, you know pretty pretty intense uh, because you're supposed to lose all your wealth to not violate a law. Um, so then it says in Zion, he says, so if you have to lose all your wealth for not, not saying Lashon Hora. Certainly, you have to be willing to give up your honor for not losing, you know, for not saying Lashon Hora. And he gives an example that, um, you know, sometimes if you're sitting around a group of people and they're all speaking Lashon Hora, uh, it's, you know, you sitting quietly in the corner, not listening to them, makes you look like a fool, makes you look like a, a simpleton. Um, and he says it's better, uh, he quotes the, the famous quote, um, that it's better to be a fool all your life than to be a Russia, to be a wicked person, even for one moment. So it's better that you just are quiet and look like a fool, look like you have no insight, um, than, you know, and not speak Lashon Hora than it is to join with them. Um, and he says it's, you know, tremendously painful though, sometimes just to, just to sit there silently and not speak Lashon Hora when everybody else is. But he says, Lafum Sara Agra, the quote, 
um, you know, that, that the Chachamim say that, um, you know, that, that the, basically no pain, no gain, that uh, the more pain, the more struggle that it takes, the bigger reward you get. Um, so he says that if it's hard, if it's difficult to not join in with Lashon Hora, um, then you'll even get more reward for not speaking it. So uh, going on to eight, Dechet. Um, so he says there's no difference if Lashon Hora is verbal or written or explicit or hinted at. So um, an example of this is there was a, there's a written document that when, that when Sanhedrin would give a ruling, uh, a court ruling, there would be a, a, a written document, and you're not allowed to share that written document with people that would disclose what judge voted for who, what judge voted for the winner, what judge voted for the loser. Um, you're not allowed to disclose that. Rashi says, um, as far as being explicit or hinted at, um, even if you hint, even with body language, like a wink, any some kind of other body language, a nudge, that sort of tells uh, the person the irony of what you're saying and is really supposed to imply Lashon Hora, um, that would still be considered Lashon Hora, even without words. Even just a wink or some kind of body language is still Lashon Hora. Um, there's an interesting story he, uh, that the Chavetz Chaim gives in Brachot um, that people would ask uh, a, married, a, a newly married man, um, they would ask him Matzah or Motzeh. And what does that mean? It's sort of a, a rhyme uh, a veiled way of asking if his wife was a good is a good wife or his wife is a bad wife. If he says matzah, his wife is a good wife. If he says motze, his wife is a bad wife. And um, and basically they get but the matzah is found in Mishlei that it's complimenting a wife, and motze is found in Kohelet, which is saying that his wife is more bitter than death. Um, so depending on which one you say, if you sort of know the, the rhythm, the, the, the rhyme, the riddle, then if you know the, the riddle of matzah or motze, you'd be able to say in a very veiled way who, you know, whether his wife was good or bad. Um, however, he says that's Lashon Hora. However, there is an exception in this case in Brachot because he says um, you're, you're allowed to speak Lashon Hora if it's public, if it's completely public knowledge, you're in certain instances allowed to speak Lashon Hora. So he says if a woman is more bitter than death, um, which is what Motze is saying. If a woman's more bitter than death, then he says that's basically public knowledge and you're allowed to say Motze because it's public knowledge. But it would be Lush and Hora if it wasn't public knowledge. Um, he gives another example in Yavamot. Chia asks his father, Rav, what's an example of a woman that's worse than, that's worse than death? So as I said, that Motze is saying that his wife's worse than death. Um, so, so, he, so, so Chia asks his dad, Rav, What's an example of a woman that's worse than that's worse than death? And Rav answers him, "It's your own mom. Your mom is worse than death. That's an example." Um, and and the Chavetz Chaim explains, even this is not considered lashon hora because first of all, he knows his mom. There's nothing about his mom that he doesn't know. It's his own mom. Um, and second of all, Rav only said that this was his mom in order to teach him something. So because it was sort of an educational moment, it was just to explain. You know, he said, what's an example? What's a, how do I understand this Pasuk of what's an example of a woman that's more bitter than death? That's your own mom. So, okay, now I know what that Pasuk means. I can, you know, I, I, can, I can compare my own mom, I guess, to a woman that's more bitter than death. That's, what, that's the definition. But uh, definitely an interesting story there that, uh, that Rav told his, told his son, Chia, that an example of a woman that's worse than death is his own mom. Um, so then... Uh, he gives another example, a person that shows that um, someone is incompetent 
in order to humiliate them. So you don't even have to, uh, you know, as I mentioned, even if it's hinted at, it's still considered Lashon Hora. So, um, so an example of this that he gives is he says, Yoav um, showed the Sanhedrin, showed the court uh, documents that were written by King David that said to put um, Uriah on the front lines of battle, basically killing him. Um, and because Yoav showed those documents to King David, um, sorry, showed King David's documents to the Sanhedrin without really saying anything. Yoav didn't blame David. He just showed the documents implying that, that uh, you know, that David was trying to kill Uriah by putting him on the front lines. That's considered Lush and horror. Um, he, another example that I heard given is that, you know, if someone sends an email and it's like tons of spelling mistakes and it, it just, you, you make yourself look like a, you, you look like a, a fool, whoever wrote it and that person, and then you, whoever gets the email forwards it to their different friends and says, look at this terrible email. It's drafted terribly. Look at how embarrassing it is. Um, you know, look at how incompetent this person is. That's considered lush and horror. Even if you don't say anything just by showing it to someone else and it's obviously incompetent, and you show it to someone else just to humiliate them, that's considered Lashon Hora. Lastly, Tet. So it's usher, it's prohibited to speak Lashon Hora about someone, um, but then also at the same time, you say that you have the same deficiency. So he gives the example of Yeshaya, uh, Yeshayahu. He said, Yeshayahu says, I'm a man of an unpure mouth, and I live in a society full of people with unpure mouths. And um, what he what he meant to say there is basically, oy vey, I'm I'm doomed. I'm a person that's unpure. Um, and he even he denigrated himself first. He said he started with, I am a man of an unpure mouth, uh, but I live in a society of unpure mouths. And however, God was angry at him. God sent an angel to burn him with a coal for speaking lush and horror against the Jewish people. So it's interesting, even though Yeshayahu spoke lush and horror only basically about, you know, he, he first said it about himself, which was, which is permitted. You are allowed to criticize yourself, but you're not allowed to throw everybody else in the mix. So even though he said, I'm a man of an unpure mouth, what he wasn't allowed to say is I live in a society of unpure mouths. That's basically throwing the Jewish people under the bus. And he was punished for that. Uh, okay. So to recap what I spoke about, finally, we got to the beginning of the various halachas of Lashon Horov in Klal Aleph. So the first halacha that uh, the Chavetz Chaim gives is that Lashon Hora is by definition true. That uh, if a person is, you know, that, that and, and in fact, if a person lies, then it's called Motzei Shemra. They're spreading a bad name. That's a separate um, and distinct prohibition that's not related to Lashon Hora. Um, and he says, he gives some different examples of why, uh, how we know that Lashon Hora is by definition true. Um, he gives the example of uh, Moshe, he sent a messenger to Dutton Naviram to send them to court. And Dutton Naviram said they'd rather have their eyes gouged out than show up to court. And the messenger reported that message that they'd rather have their eyes gouged out back to Moshe. And Rashi says that uh, that really, that's considered Lashon Hora, that the messenger, by saying, by telling uh, Moshe that Dutton Naviram said they'd rather have their eyes gouged out than show up to court, that's considered Lashon Hora. However, it was permitted in this case because it was for the... Um, for, for the purpose of the court. However, the, the point being, though, that was clearly true. Dutton and Aviram actually did say that they'd rather have their eyes gouged out by going to court. Nonetheless, that's considered Lush and Hora by repeating it. Um, the Gemara in Sota says there are four types of people that will never see the Shekhinah, which includes both a liar and a speaker of Lush and Hora. So it must be that a 
you know, that, that a speaker of Lashon Hora is not a liar, because otherwise it would just say a liar, which would include speaker of Lashon Hora. So because there are two distinct groups, that's proof that liars and speakers of Lashon Hora are different, so therefore speakers of Lashon Hora must be true. Um, Bava Batra gives an example of uh, a little story that someone that had a star, a contract, that wasn't drafted well, and Rebbe rebukes his son for drafting that, that uh, poorly drafted contract. And the son, in turn, Rebbe's son comes and says, no, it wasn't me. That was uh, Rebbe Yehuda Chayata that drafted. That wasn't my fault. And Rebbe says back to his son, stop speaking Lashon Hora. Um, and, you know, why did he say stop speaking Lashon Hora? Because the son should have just said, I didn't write it. He shouldn't have specified who wrote the poorly drafted contract. Um, however, it's clear that the story was actually correct. Uh, Rebbe Yehuda Chayata actually did draft this poorly written star. However, he wasn't, the, the son shouldn't have said that. The son should have just said, I didn't write it, but shouldn't have specified who did. Um, he also says partial lies are prohibited, that, you know, you shouldn't stand next to a single witness in court to give off the impression that you actually have two witnesses and you could make a legally binding decision. He gives an example of, um, of uh, in, in Sanhedrin, that a judge that was part of a minority can't go, out, go to the loser and say, you know what, really, I voted for you, uh, because it's supposed to be secret you know, who voted for who, uh, and you're not allowed, if you're in the minority and you lose, you're not, you're, you know, if you're a judge that votes for the minority, you're not allowed to go to the, the loser and tell them that uh, you voted for them. And then um, he, the Chavetz Chaim says the word rocho, which literally means a peddler, you know, a peddler is someone that, um, a peddler is someone that, that goes to certain places and, you know, they'll, they'll be able to sell their, uh, sell their, um, you know, let's say rags uh, in in one city and go to another city, um, and that would be considered, uh, you know, a peddler. And here, uh, the a person can be a peddler of gossip. They can go from one city and hear something, hear some some dirt about someone, and then they'll go to another city and and uh, repeat that that uh, dirt. And that person is considered both a um, person that speaks Lush and Hora. And uh, rachilot, uh, some you know, someone that peddles lies. Because if you peddle lies, you also speak lashon hara. And um, then the Chavetz Chaim concludes the first halacha of Aleph by saying that just preparing false weights and not using them is a sin. So just preparing false weights, and you know, you say something is, uh, you say that a pound is actually less than a pound in order to shortchange someone at the marketplace. Uh, he says so too. Even preparing lashon hara without speaking it is a sin. Moving to the second halacha, he says there are many violations on top of just Lashon Hora and Rechilot uh, spreading, you know, uh, spreading lies. There are many violations that we saw in earlier podcasts um, that are included in the prohibition against speaking Lashon Hora. In Gimel, he says um, a person that is, you know, consistently and um, habitually saying that I heard X, Y, and Z about this person and X, Y, and Z is something disparaging, that's considered Lashon Hora. Someone that does that habitually is called a Baal Lashon Hora, which is even worse. And it says Hashem will punish the Chalok Lashon, the, the smooth talkers. Then in Dalid, it says that there are three sins a person will be punished for in this world and will have no, um, and will also be punished in the next world. Avodazara, Giloi Rayet, Shvichot Damim, you know, idol worship, um, sexual immorality and murder, and all those things combined are still are, are are you know all those things combined are equal in severity and punishment as lashon hora. And I said this isn't like actually true; it's maybe a little dramatic. 
But um, I said maybe the, the logic behind it is if you speak Lashon Hora and you're constantly a negative person looking for the faults in other people and spreading those faults, then you're not so far away from doing those three terrible sins. Um, then in Halacha Hay, he says that if Lashon Hora is spoken voluntarily, or even if it's not spoken voluntarily, even if you're forced to speak it, being, you know, if you're forced to speak it and you, do, and you give in and you speak it, that's still considered Lashon Hora. And he says, even if a rabbi or a parent tells you to speak Lashon Hora, that's still considered Lashon Hora. He gives the example of Shaul, who's the king, who deserves respect. A king must be respected. And he pressures Dog to disclose King David's intentions. And Dog does disclose those intentions. Even though Shaul's the king, um, Dog is still considered a, someone that speaks Lashon Hora. Um, he also says, you know, your dad or your rabbi is not allowed to violate the Torah. And the example, you know, is not allowed to tell you to violate the Torah. An example of that is you're supposed to remove shotness, a mix of wool and linen from, um, from a Rebbe that is, uh, you know, if, you're, if your rabbi is wearing shotness, you're supposed to even take off his shirt in public, even though that's embarrassing for the Rebbe. So he said, so too, certainly you should um, be able to refuse speaking Lashon Hora if your parents or rabbi tell you to speak Lashon Hora. Um, and he gives the example that if a rabbi tells his student to stand next to one witness, so it'll make it look like there are two witnesses that, you know, and then it'll be legally binding, just give the appearance that there are two witnesses, uh, the student's not allowed to do that. Then in Allah Vav, he says you can't speak Lashon Hora even if you will lose your job because you're supposed to be able to be willing to lose all your wealth for a lab. So even if you're going to lose your job, you won't be able to provide for your family you should still be willing to uh, not speak Lush and, you know, you, you have to not speak Lush and Hora and be willing to forfeit your job. In um, Halacha Zion, he says that, um, that if, you're, if you have to lose your job for not speaking Lush and Hora, certainly you have to lose your honor. So if everybody is speaking Lush and Hora around you and to be part of the cool kids, you want to speak some Lush and Hora also, he says, don't say it. Don't, you know, be willing to not say it. Make yourself look basically a uh, dumb, like, you know, you're not sociable. It's better to, he says, it's better to be a fool your whole life and not speak Lashon Hora than to be a Rasha, to be wicked, even for a moment. Then moving to Halacha Chet, he says, there's no difference if Lashon Hora is verbal, written, explicit, or hinted at. An example of written, he says, it's, uh, there's, you're not allowed to share a written document that says which judge picked which winner and which bug, you know, which judge voted for the loser. Um, Rashi says, even if it's a, you know, even if it's a hint, you're not allowed to hint, um, about Lashon Hora. So you're not allowed to say something, but then wink and say, and, you know, kind of say, really, I'm being, implying that you're really kind of, you don't mean what you say. Uh, and you, you, so you can't even wink or, or nod or, or do some kind of body language that would indicate Lashon Hora. The Gemara in Brachot gives that interesting example where you're not allowed to ask a married man in sort of a veiled um, sort of uh, in a veiled way, whether he likes his marriage so far, you're not allowed to ask him. He says, the, the Gemara in Brachot says, matzah or motzeh. Matzah implies that you found a good wife, um, and motzeh implies that you found a wife that's bad, a wife that's more bitter than death. However, in this specific case, you actually are allowed to say it because if a wife is more bitter than death, then it's probably public knowledge that she's pretty bad, and there's certain instances you're allowed to say Lashon Hora if it's public knowledge. Then he says in Yavamot, Chia asks his dad, what's the meaning of that verse that your wife is a woman that's worse than death? And, um, and, Rav, and, 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 uh, and, and Rav replies back to Chia, your mom. Your mom's an example of someone that's worse than death. 
Um, why is he allowed to do that? It's because it was just for, first of all, he, he knew, um, you know, Rav obviously, Chia obviously knew his own mom. Um, so it wasn't a new information of who his mom was. And second of all, Rav just told Chia, you know, that his wife, that, 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 uh, that his mom was, you know, worse than death, just to be able to explain the verse. It was sort of for educational purposes. Then he says, a person, you're not allowed to share someone's work that shows that they're incompetent. And the example given is Yoav. Yoav isn't allowed, was not allowed to show um, the Sanhedrin that David sent Uriah to the front lines, basically killing him. Um, and uh, that's an example there. And he, he says also, you know, another example was if someone wrote like a very incompetent email, you shouldn't forward that to other people to show how incompetent and how dumb that person is. The last halacha is that it's prohibited to speak Lashon Hora about someone and then at the same time say that say that you yourself have the same deficiency. He gives the example of Yeshayahu. He says, I am a man of an unpure mouth and I live in a society of unpure mouths. So what he meant to say is basically, oh yeah, I'm doomed. I'm, I'm unpure. I'm going to be punished for that. Um, he de- and he even denigrated himself first. However, he's punished. An angel comes to burn him with a coal for speaking Lashon Hora against the Jewish people. So he was allowed to say that I'm a man of an unpure mouth, but saying that I live in, an, in society of an unpure mouth, that is, um, that is uh, you know, n- not, not permitted. To read the poem, Lashon Hora is by definition true. Don't speak it out loud or even through a clue. Lashon Hora can be in words or writing. Don't speak it even if it is exciting. And with that, uh, L'chaim, L'chaim.